In the past, when we've had these gatherings, we've, uh, we've sort of done a lot of practice, we've done a lot of dhikr. Um, and I'm wondering how could I make this useful to us? And uh, um, uh, I think rather than just doing, you know, lots and lots of dhikr, and, and we can do a bit of that too, but I'd like to spend some time looking at the how-to for dhikr. How, how does one do dhikr in a way to get maximum benefit? And um, uh, I'm kind of reminded by um, a really interesting experience I had. Um, some of you have been to Oakland's, you know, that, um, and you'll, you'll attest to the fact that the food there is kind of exceptional. Yes. Um, now, I don't know if you're aware, but that food gets cooked by people who kind of grew up in a local village. They're not chefs. They're not trained chefs. I mean, they were trained by, um, by Kathy, uh, uh, um, what's her name? Tully, the, uh, the, the general manager. Um, uh, so, so these are people who've had very little kind of formal training background, haven't, haven't ever been to chef school, really preparing food at, at a really high standard. Um, and Kathy's secret in training these people was she didn't teach them how to cook. She taught them how to taste. And to this day, they have tasting like workshops in their kitchen where they go and get their own products and they, they compare the taste, they try and describe it. Now, there's a, there's a lesson in there which is really deep and very profound. What you do is not nearly <coughs> as important as how you experience. And if you learn to experience well, then what you do uh, always becomes exceptional. And this is true for anything. This is true for whatever you do. How you perceive is infinitely more important than what you do. That doesn't mean to dismiss what you do, but it, it's really, it's, it's in a sense, um, it's, like, it's like, I mean, the extremity of this is trying to uh, judge the painting of a blind person. You know, I mean, um, if you don't, can't see, you can't paint. If you can't perceive, you can't act. And so, <coughs> the first thing I think is useful to remember that dhikr is really concerned with polishing your capacity to perceive. And so, how you do the dhikr is very important. You don't just do the dhikr in the spirit of repeating, getting through the tasbih, you know, 100,000 times or whatever. You do the dhikr, I mean, you do the dhikr as a way to polish how your attention is operating. <coughs> We've made the distinction between two predominant modes of attention. We spoke about the relationship between predatory attention and receptive attention. 
These two modes of attention correspond with two modes, the fundamental modes of intention. If I want to get something from the world, in other words, my intent is to take, my attention becomes predatory. If I want to give something to the world, I by definition have to give up what I'm trying to get. And then the effect of that is that things come towards me and my attention becomes receptive. The difference between predatory attention and receptive attention is a pragmatic difference. It's not just a moral difference. And what I mean by pragmatic, it is a very real physiological equivalence. It is like describing the difference between the, well, I mean, as you know, there's a difference between the following two statements of somebody else's behavior. Would you feel differently if you describe what somebody else was doing to you as saying, he's looking at me, or if you were describing what he was doing as, he's listening to me? Does it feel different? And if you think about it carefully, it feels different because when he's looking at you, this is somewhat threatening. It's like he's trying to push himself into me. Whereas when he's listening to me, he's allowing me to go into him. So, our receptive attention is like he's listening to me. Our predatory attention is like he's looking at me. What we're trying to do on this path is to cultivate receptive attention. What we're trying to do with vicar is we're trying to cultivate receptive attention. You can really supercharge the cultivation of your receptive attention. I mean, you do your vicar in such a way that you attend to the physiological requirements of receptive attention. In other words, you, you, you deliberately try and get your attention in the right place. The, the, funda the, the fundamental um, perceptual mo uh, modality that we use when we're being predatory is, is vision, is eyes. Because we've got predators' eyes. Our eyes are like a lion's eyes. Our eyes are in the front of our head. The f eyes in the front of your head gives you binocular vision. Binocular vision gives you depth perception that allows you to think into the future and work out what you need to do to get what you want. That's what predatory attention does. Um, you can use your eyes in a receptive way, and maybe if we have some energy later today, we'll experiment with that. But fundamentally, how we use our eyesight is that we use our eyesight in a predatory way. All our other senses work in a receptive way. In the Bantu languages, certainly in Zulu, you would use the same word to describe hearing, tasting, smelling, uh, touching, uh, yeah, and touching, yeah, not seeing, obviously. Ugozwa. Mm -hmm. You can say, Nyezwa. You can say, Nyezwa. You can say, Nyezwa. Yeah, as well. I hear you. Same word. Same word. 
In other words, this word is saying something. This word doesn't really refer to the sense itself. It refers to the mode that you perceive. It says, I perceive. Uh, the counterpoint to vision is, is hearing. You, you cannot get close to Allah by sight. You cannot see him. You can get close to Allah by feel. If you felt the depth behind your eyes, went into this darkness behind your eyes, that's the looking that his looker is operating from, you will find his proximity. Vision, by definition, pulls you out there. Sound allows you to come in here because sound allows you to become one with what is around you. So we're going to be working this morning with sound. All right. You'll be noticing that I've been doing more and more work with this Ma'adam in the dhikr. And I think you've all experienced that to be beneficial, haven't you? Allah, that's Allah. Has everybody found that beneficial? Why do you think it's beneficial? Why do you experience it as beneficial? Please. It's receptive, but how does it? What? what how do you feel? It, it, it sort of it, it resonates within, ah. and then there's the common harmony. Ah. It's like one thing. Yeah. One thing. Do you see what sound does? You've done. Your sound is amazing because if you do sound well, you don't just hear it; you feel it. And where do you feel it? You feel it on the inside. So sound connects you. Allah Wahid. Sound connects you, makes you part of a oneness, makes you experience things as they actually are. It makes you realize that you're actually operating in a soup of being. It's like you're like a, you know, like you're like a sticky waffle tree, no? And he's full. Like the soup's in, it's out, it's like one thing. Sound gets you a tactile experience of that, a real experience of that. Now, in order to allow sound to do this, is that whenever you do vicar, you make very sure you become one with the vicar. So the first rule to doing vicar well in congregation is that if the, if the, if the leader of the, 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 the jamaat is pitching the tone there, you don't pitch the tone there or there. You try and meet exactly the same sound. If you cannot meet the same sound, because it's either too high or too low for your voice, you go down an octave or you go up an octave, a whole octave. If you cannot do that, then only harmonize. Unless you're really good, and mostly we aren't actually, unless you really have been trained in music and you spontaneously can hit a harmonizing note, very often what you think is harmonizing is just cacophony. So, so, so try and hit the same note. Create the same note. And when you're creating that note, feel the note. Don't just hear the note. Feel the note in your chest. I touched on this distinction yesterday between, uh, of the different assemblage points. This is a, a 
it's uh, unnecessarily wordy, but it, the assemblage point refers to the place in your body where your perception assembles to. I'm going to say that again so you understand the phrase. The place in your body your perception assembles to. In other words, where do you sit on the inside, inside your body, where all the stuff over there funnels to for you to perceive it? That's called the assemblage point. Most people's assemblage point is behind their eyes because we're so visual. Because we're looking. You know. When your assemblage point is here, when you're looking at the world from behind your eyes, let me rephrase this, when you're perceiving the world from behind your eyes, your, the modality of your attention is predatory. When you are listening, and you are listening well, you know, listening means you're kind of putting back a little bit, you're giving the person space. When I'm looking, I'm trying to appear, I'm trying to get there. When I'm listening, I'm, I'm allowing them to appear. You realize when you're listening well, you're not operating from behind your eyes, you're operating from behind here. And that's why when we induct the vicar, the quiet vicar in the morning, I'm very deliberate. I say, first give attention to your legs. Just do that quickly. You do however you're sitting, doesn't matter. Just, just feel, I don't mean feel, I mean feel from the inside. Any sensation that's currently coming from your right leg. And once you've got that sensation coming from your right leg, introduce the sensation coming from your left leg. So now, you're feeling both of your legs at the same time. And introduce the experience coming from your right arm. And finally, introduce the experience coming from your left arm. So you are experiencing all four of your limbs at the same time. Try and ignore the agitation, people coming in, just ignore them. Just feel the stimulus coming from all four of your limbs at the same time. I'll keep on repeating just to keep your attention resting on the right place. Hold your legs and your arms and your attention at the same time. All right, look at me. Where are you operating from now? Can you feel that? I mean, I mean because, because your extremities and your limbs are, are kind of almost like you need to be at a cross-section place to be able to hold them at the same time. It pulls your attention from here to behind here. So... <coughs> When in doubt, do this little exercise a number of times in the course of a vicar. Alright. Rest your attention on your legs and rest your attention on your arms simultaneously until you feel, yeah, but I'm no longer in my head. You want to get out of your head. You want to go behind. When they have that experience, ah, ah. And you'll feel it's more comfortable, it's more kind of, it's slightly, doesn't have it. You know, when we're operating from here, there's almost like a slightly spherical kind of element to how we operate. So, so um, when you're working with any sound, when you're doing vicar, as I indicated, the first thing you do is you uh, 
you make sure that you're meeting the sound. The second thing you do is you make sure you're operating with receptive attention because you're deliberately shifting your assemblage point from behind your eyes to behind your chest, behind the solar plexus. It will happen that in the course of the vicar, your attention begins to wander, because that's natural. The moment you recognize your attention has wandered off, just bring it back. Without irritation. Okay. Because that's the, any judgment is, a, is again predatory. So you don't judge, I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, you're human, you know. Give her a skeki or a pinky off, and then before you know it, your attention goes. But if you notice this, you just bring it back to operating from here and resting your attention on the sound and the feel of the sound, not just the sound of the sound. Okay. Right, so we're ready to do some practice. We're going to do quite a long practice. Some of it we're going to do sitting, and some of it we're going to do lying down. Um, I've got, uh, I've been very fortunate, I've discovered some stuff that you can work with. We're going to sit for about 40 minutes for the first thing, folks. If the sitting gets uncomfortable, then stand for a bit and then sit down again. I mean, there's no prescription here with this thing, right? I, I want you to work, we're just going to be working with sound. That's all we're going to be doing between now and lunchtime. We're just going to be working with sound and working with receptive attention and the use of sound.